Podcast world, what's up? Chad Belding, back at you. Another episode. This one is Yukonuba Duck Dog Series, fueled by Yukonuba and all of our friends at Yukonuba Performance Dog Food. Please check them out for all of your sporting dog needs. There is a reason why the top handlers, the top trainers, the top breeders, Super Retriever Series, you name it, they are feeding Yukonuba because it works and it turns dogs' lives around. I've seen it firsthand. I've witnessed firsthand. I've had several people that have changed diets, and they are sending me videos on the daily telling me, look at the teeth, look at the hips, look at the joints. Just they, Their dogs have more energy. One dog in particular is Miss Ella down in Chico, California. She's nine years old, and her owner, Brad, says that she's acting like a three-year-old again. She's so ready for duck season to get here. He's happy as heck. We're happy as heck with the results we're getting from the Yukonuba diet plan. And the just the whole scientific, the backbone, the research, everything that's gone into their recipes and their diet and their formulas is truly amazing. I suggest that you look into it. I'm not telling you just to take my word. Do your forensic audit on it and see for yourself of why Yukonuba is leading the pack when it comes to sporting dog nutrition and diet. I'm so proud of my guest today for what she's achieved in her life and what her family has achieved in outdoor TV uh, from Dancing Dog Productions. I remember the first time I met this lady was in Saskatchewan, Canada, We were in a little town called Wilkie with Fred Zink, Justin Tackett, a dog named Yella that was world famous on the, not the Pursuit Network, but the Versus Network and other networks at the time on Ducks Unlimited. It's Water Dog TV. She has uh, been told, I've been told by many people that this lady is responsible for the power of sporting dogs today and why they're at the forefront and why you see them all over ESPN and national TV today. Shannon Nardi, Dance and Dog Productions, Super Retriever Series sponsored and presented by you welcome to this episode thank you thank you wow <laughs> big kudos thank you big kudos you look nice <laughs> today you have a uh you look honestly you look like a, a country singer getting ready to go on stage or at least do sound check or something can you sing us a song real quick <laughs> <No>. <laughs> why you're from arkansas you would think you could lay no. down a little nice voice no. <laughs> i'm not that good bring it shannon <laughs> hey shannon um when I hear people say that kind of stuff, and then I know how long you've been doing this, I remember, this is my memory. It was 2002 or 2003. You can tell me when exactly it was. I didn't meet you personally until 2005, but in 2002 or 2003, I was a part owner in a portable sanitation toilet company in Reno, Nevada, and we got the contract for the ESPN Outdoor Games at Rancho San Rafael. And I saw you up there and Justin Tackett, I think was actually like the voice and the color commentator play by play. And you guys were doing the, the sporting dog, the duck dog part of the ESPN outdoor games. Does that ring a bell? Yes, <laughs> very much. <laughs> and what was that all about? The great, the great outdoor, well, the great outdoor game started in 2000. Uh, we, we spent three years in Lake Placid, New York, and then we moved to Reno and um, and so I do remember that because it was a lot different. It was a different weather for us in Reno in July than it was in Lake Placid in July. Um, and, you, and you guys, you were put, were you the, did you start ESPN Outdoor Games? Was it your event as a whole no, or were you just in charge of the sporting My father day? actually was a big innovator of the great, of the ESPN Outdoors block. Okay. Um, and that was in the early 80s, I believe. But he and a bunch of the other people at ESPN, because of the ESPN Outdoors, decided to put 
together the games and the games consisted of, you know, bass fishing, fly fishing, uh, timber, all the timber sports, which my father's company produced. Um, uh, and then we had four dog sports, big air, agility, fly ball and retriever trials. And then there was a bunch of shooting sports. So it was just like a, it was like an outdoor Olympics. Um, it was super, super fun. Um, if you talk to anybody that attended that or worked it, it's like a memory that we all, we all loved. Um, and it's actually 20 years old this week was when we did the first one. Would you anyway, say, so, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I thought you were done. Anyway, well, what? I, I, uh, I was put in the retriever trial, um, venue, What I wasn't really happy about it actually, because I kind of got separated from my colleagues that I worked with. And I was going to be working with some ESP, ESPN producers and, you know, that I kind of knew of, but, you know, and kind of afraid of. <laughs> so, so I was a little bit intimidated to go off site, you know, three miles away from the, the main venue and work this venue that I really knew nothing about. And I had no idea that retrievers did what they did. You know, I mean, I knew they duck hunted and I knew, you know, I had a Labrador retriever, but I really didn't understand that there was a, you know, a game that they played. So that game was created um, as a hybrid game of many different sort of retriever games for the game for the uh, for ESPN and where it could be understood on television. You know, there was a score happening and people could understand what was happening. So it was kind of built for that. Um, and my first job was to sit in a trailer and watch the footage come in. Um, and I would be editing that after it was all done. But I saw that dog at. And I'll never forget it. I was sitting in there watching a monitor and a dog went out 300 yards and the guy blew a whistle and he turned around and I was completely stunned by that. Just stunned by that. Cause I had no idea they could do that, you know? And um, so after that, I mean, it really it affected me so much that I think my whole, my whole life completely changed from that moment on because I was so into that. Um, later on, they started the um, super retriever series as a qualifier for the games and because I was working that venue for those three years, I got to be the producer of that. So, um, and I've just kind of ended up with it. So, uh, so at this time when you're sitting in that trailer, Shannon Artie, are you a, are you a dog lover, a dog owner at the time? Oh, yeah, or? I have a dog. I have a dog. I love, yeah, I love animals and I love dogs and I always have, but I just didn't understand, you know, I, I, there's so much I know now compared to what I did then, but I didn't understand their capabilities. And so you're sitting in the trailer, you see this blind 300 yards, whistle stop, the handler sends them and casts them in a different direction to get the retrieve and bring it back. You, a light bulb goes off in your head right then, or did a conversation take place? Do you go to tack it and you know that he's a duck hunter? Uh, yeah, from Arkansas? I mean, he, he was, a, he really taught me. I mean, there's so much to the retriever games. There's so much. I'm still learning about it because there's so much to that game. Um, it, it, it's just, um, it's, it's overwhelming really, but he taught me so much because I had to learn a lot, especially trying to edit programming. I had to understand so I could help an audience understand if that makes sense. You know, I had, totally. to, I had to understand it myself so I could say, okay, do I understand this? Cause I got to teach an audience this as well, you know? So, um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I just started to learn about it, but it was, it was such a cool thing to me. I just fell in love with it, that it was easy to want to learn about it. And is this something to where this is the first year of the ESPN games? Is this 2000 when this happens or is this in Reno? This is 2000. It, this is 2000. 2004. Um, and we were offsite in Carson city. Yep. So this was our, this was our, 
fourth games. And actually that was 2003 because Chris Aiken won that, that one. With um, Boomer? For, yeah, with Boomer. And for some reason that year, you know, that was our third programming year. So that, um, it just, everything just took off that year. You know, I mean, like it really took off. We, that, those, the Super Retriever Series just got so large so quick. We had a waiting list to get into play. We only had three events a year. Um, and it just, you know, it was just a different, it was just a different level for that. And I think that really did trigger a lot of things changing in the retriever world across the board. You know, I think it was good for all retriever sports. Well, let's think about some of that for a second. You, you make it a qualifier for the ESPN outdoor games, but spawned off of that comes a slew of pretty much celebrities in the game to where not just not yeah. just the Tackets and the Akins and the and the handlers, but now I remember one shot show where you could actually get Yella's autograph with a paw print. She was stamping yeah. them in an ink pad and you and I don't remember whose booth y'all were in, but y'all were doing y'all Yella had an autograph line for a dog's paw print because of the success of the water dog show. But on top of that you have Aiken putting out his duck dog basics that you help produce. You have the Avery sporting dog explosion with with all of the things that came out of that with the stands and the bumpers and everything that was coming to that then on top of that you have this national tv show that spawned off of this an idea that you come into with your experience in production and outdoor tv you go to Tackett, who in my opinion to this day in 2020 is the best outdoor tv personality him and michael waddell are like the deal waddell's obviously the best because of his tenure but Tackett was amazing on camera like he was the golden child of the camera he could talk his he could he could sell Go ahead. No, he could sell he could sell ketchup to a, a, a woman wearing white gloves, right? Like <laughs> the dude was just amazing on camera. And then off of this comes Ducks Unlimited's Water Dog with Yella, Justin Tackett, and your travels now. You guys are traveling all over the country, not just retrievers anymore. Now you're actually putting the hunt side of it together yeah. and the lifestyle and the culture. So all of this is spawned because of you sitting in that trailer that day and going, holy shit, did you just see that 300-yard blind? Excuse <laughs> well, my French. Sorry about that. You're a Southern woman. I can, no, that's okay. I, I can't take all the credit for that because a lot of those things happened, you know, and I just happened I just happened to be in the right place at the right time to be able to be a part of it. You know what I mean? There was a lot of people involved with with that kind of thing. But um, you know, I yeah, Water Dog to today, to this day will probably be the best thing I think I was ever involved in. Because it was it was so cool for me to cover those um just every place we went. I mean, I, I'm probably the envy of most waterfowl guys because I went to so many places Everywhere. Um, just, and just saw so many amazing, you know, things about those places and the dogs at those places. And, you know, so our show was about, you know, the Ella and her adventure really. Um, and, and the other dogs that would be with us. And so it, all those were so really amazing to be a part of. And I do miss that. That was a super, super fun time. Speaking of missing things, when I brought up Boomer the other day on a a conversation with Aiken, I knew what Boomer meant to the duck hunting world and to the offspring and the puppies that are out there today. I knew what he meant to... He had, I mean, products named after him, the boomers, the boomer stand. And I mean, he had had a bunch of things that came off of that dog. But Chris got really... um, he got sad. And I, and he said that this was the first time since Boomer passed that he talked in in depth about Boomer. Do you feel the same in your soul when somebody like Chris Aiken or Tackett calls you and says, yellow passed, Boomer oh. passed? Is it, is it almost, is it just as, as damaging to the soul as a friend passing? Yeah, because I, you know, I, I remember when yellow passed, cause I remember Justin called me and just said, Hey, 
I'm, I'm coming by. And I, and I hadn't talked to him in a little while. And I, and I knew. I knew exactly why he was coming by. Um, and uh, it, it was, that was tough. I mean, Yellow was a dog that I feel like a lot of us learned through. We learned a lot about, you know, the dog games, the hunting game and everything with the dog through Justin and Yellow. There's no doubt in my mind. And I can, I, I don't know if it's because I'm a female and I produced a waterfowl show or if it's, or what, but I do feel like when, when that show was happening, it, it, it became very popular very fast too. And I do think it's because most men don't like to, you know, they're not real sentimental about their dog. They all love their dog. They love their dog probably more than their family. <laughs> it, you know, not, not really, but you know what I mean? And I felt like those adventures that we shared, it made that guy closer to his personal dog. 100 you know, he wanted to, you know, he just cuddled next to his dog and watched that adventure and just, you know, he felt that feeling. And I, and I, I was glad to be able to make that happen. That was kind of a, a cool thing, I think. Did you see that with Aiken and Boomer too, that, that love life, that love oh, yeah, story yeah. they were living? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it, there was a, there was a, that, like I said, in 2003, when everything kind of blew up and we kind of, you know, these guys kind of became stars. I mean, if you go back and listen or look, it's like, you know, Justin and Yella, Chris and Boomer, Scott Greer and Liza, Jerry Day and Super Sue, you know, there's that handful of guys that, you know, Stacy Weston Rankin, uh, there's so many of them that just became, you know, tell us, tell us Calhoun and Goldie. I mean, remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there was a whole generation of dogs there and I, and I do kind of miss that. And I, even though the whole sporting dog game and the SRS and all that has grown in a sense that you, it's hard to, it's hard to get into those guys anymore. You know what I mean? Because that was their personal dog. Um, they competed with that personal dog. And now, you know, we have a lot of pros that bring several dogs and there's not that, you know, there's not, you can't make that connectional bond with their personal dog like you used to as far as a producer goes. Like but that's because that's probably because of the success of it and all of the, oh, yeah. ge oh. the general public now want to have their dog trained by a Chris Aiken at <laughs> web footed. So now Chris, now Chris's kennel starts to explode. And, and now all of a sudden he's at the starter line with 15 labs instead of just yeah. boomer yeah. Yeah. Be because right. of, the, because of the success of what you guys were building. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think I touched on this a little bit when I was hanging out with you at the at the Derby last year. Um, we were lucky enough to experience that. That was so cool. You That's with your so hat cool. on and your lovely dress <laughs> and looking all Southern Bellish. Um, I I think I talked a little bit, but that trip that we went on, we're in Saskatchewan, we're in Wilkie, and then you and Tackett, we all kind of have this little you know like idea. Well, we've never been out west, so hey, come out to Nevada. Let's go to Idaho. Let's do Oregon, and okay. and, and yeah. let's do some episodes of Water Dog with with Chad out west. So we go to the Canvasback Club and we hunt with Dave Stanley, and we go to the pet the yes. dog cemetery there, and and Yellow yeah. performs, huh? That was super cool. Yeah. And that, and that, and that was a, and then, then we go up and we hunt the Boise river. And I don't know if you remember Norris dancer and Greg dancer and the whole dancer family. And that's where we had the, the accidents with, with, uh, tell Calhoun is remember when he fainted and <laughs> fell in the water and we're like, Oh yeah. God, what's <laughs> yes. 
I'll have to pull that picture up because that picture is like a classic picture to me because nobody understands it except for those of us that were there. But we were taking photos when that happened, if you'll remember. Yeah. And we had all the ducks lined up on the, the log and we had Goldie and Yella sitting there by that log. And I was taking pictures and they were looking at Justin and, and Tella. So they had this kind of a profile of them. <laughs> and and Tellus passes out in the water and both of those dogs, you know, like they're like they perk up like their ears. They're all kind of like, what? You know, and I got that picture. So when I look at that picture, I know exactly what their reaction is. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. And I, and we were like stunned. We didn't know what was going on. But off of that trip, I receive a phone call from one of your producers, Mike Devine, that was running a camera on that yeah. trip. Yeah. So that's how this is the other kind of a success story that came off a water dog and Shannon Nardi's enterprises was the foul life is spawn because Mike divine says, Hey, I really liked what you did on camera with Tackett. Would you be interested in your own show? So we went to shot show together. We started talking to potential sponsors. One thing leads to the other and Mike's mom gets ill and he has to go to put her in the Mayo clinic. So his time and finances are going to that. And I just asked him, I said, I mean, I was a toilet pumper at the time and I had some, some shots, you know, I was on Freddie's DVD series. I was on water dog a little bit. And so I leaned back and I said, I'm going to start a company called banded productions and, and banded. And then out for that came the foul life. Yep. And when I was with divine, the show was going to be called Dr. Duck. And I was going to write a prescription of success at the end of every episode. And I was, I started thinking about it and I'm like, no, but Paris Hilton show, she had some show called the good life or something with Lionel Richie's daughter at the time on national TV. And I'm, it was called the plush life or the good life or whatever. So I said, I'm going to name a show called the foul life. And that's when I started going out to sponsor sportsman's warehouse and Toyota and Avery and Tom Matthews back in the day. And, 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 and we launched the foul life and banded off of that trip when y'all came out West. So that's another thing that was spawned by, yeah. by the yeah. great outdoor games and SRS and Shannon Nardi, the enterprises of Shannon Nardi or whatever yeah. you call your, your empire you built. <laughs> I don't have an empire. <laughs> yes, you do. Do you remember that though? Do you remember Mike Devine? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember him and uh, David were our camera guys on the Water Dog Goes West series. That was a fun series. That was really fun because we went to Nebraska. We went to South Dakota first, Nebraska with Jake Latondras, came to Reno with you and did Dave Stanley, and then the the uh, what was their names again? The dancers. Dancers, and, and that was a really cool. That was really cool there. And then we went on up and t- on that river, which was also um, really really cold. It was probably one of the coldest times <laughs> and I remember having that really tight vest on in that boat that went 100 miles an hour down that river <laughs> yeah we were on the snake river yeah no it was super cool though and that was a fun that was a fun series to put together yeah and is, do you do you still think about times like that and want them again or have you okay. I you know it's like you said I, I don't I honestly don't think I will ever in my lifetime ever come close to being with a talent that was good as um, Justin was. Um, you know, he, uh, there's probably four talents on my, that I can count on my hand that I've worked with that I thought were just, you know, better than anything in the world. And that, and Justin's one of those, um, my father, of course, um, Jose Wahebi and Tommy Sanders. Those, those four are so good at what they do. Um, they don't even have to try. They just were good at what, you know, they're just that good. The third one was the Spanish fly. Yeah. 
Jose Whitehaven. Jose. His daughter runs his uh, foundation yes. now. I've done yes. some work with them. Yeah, yeah Spanish yeah. Fly. That was a great TV show. Yeah, he was. A I, worked on that. I worked on that for I guess 2000 to 2006, and then I I was kind of doing that in SRS and Water Dog, and I kind of just let that go and went solely on um, just SRS and Water Dog at that time. Right. So. And SR, SRS starts to take off and you start to put these events on across the country and you get, there's kind of two sides, right? There's the, there's the field part. And then there was the, the dock dogs, the jumping dogs that were. Yeah, there is a dock, there is a dock portion of it. And we still do that. And you're still, you're still traveling around the country and you're setting up these events. And I remember in 2007, you came to Reno and we set one up in the parking lot at Sportsman's Warehouse. And then we went down South again towards Carson city where the trial part of it was ran. Right. Right. Yeah. We still do that. Um, I don't, you know, doc from the great outdoor games and from SRS doc jumping also became massively huge. So there's probably one, two, three, three or four organizations out there that are running events week, you know, every weekend somewhere all over the place, several at the same time. Um, so that event came way big. I, I, we, we really didn't go that, I didn't go that direction with the doc. I kind of stick, I stuck with, you know, we get called a lot to do shows. Basically it's like an entertainment. We're kind of an entertainment, you know what I mean? People still compete, but, but it were more of an entertainment for somebody. So um, they'll call it, they'll, they'll, it's more of a like spectator. I do, do. Yeah. I do a lot of things at Bass Pro Shops. Um, I did the Bassmasters, uh, cla- the Bassmaster Classic weigh-in last year in the middle of the arena. We put that up and brought a few dogs in to entertain that audience. And um, so we do the, all those kind of things. And then we'll still um, do an invite and have a championship with our Retriever Trial Championship. So, so what, how does the SRS, how is it laid out now to where is it? I know you have the grand, right? We have the crown championship. The crown championship. Grand is H- the HRC grand. There's the HRC grand. There's an AKC master national. There's a there's an AKC national open, and then there's the SRS crown championship. So there's that. Those are the big the big four. Um, and the crown takes place in Mississippi. It, it did last year. We are going back to Huntsville, Alabama this year, um, and it will be the end of October. And how do you qualify for the crown? We have, we have had, well, beings that we've canceled five events this year. We, we're kicking back up. We had two events in June. We're kicking back up in July. We have four events in a row. Um, if everything goes, you know, as, as smoothly in, in that state. But we have approximately 10 to 15 qualifiers in the year um, that are primarily put on by different clubs. Um, and then the top three pros and the top three amateurs from those qualifiers will be um, invited to the crown. And then we've also, you know, since since the beginning, we've also partnered with UKC. So we're now on the registry. So we've developed a point system to um, to get an actual title. And they are honoring all of our dogs from the past 20 years. So if dogs from, you know, from 2005 actually got the criteria that you need to get your title, then they'll get that title. So we developed a point system. So, um, and that's based on your placement at the finish. Um, and if you get six, five or four points coming in first, second or third place, you're invited to the crown. You can also earn four points by coming in, you know, fifth, sixth or seven, or I'm sorry, fourth, fifth or sixth and getting one, two or three points. But if you can get a total of four points within the year then you'll qualify for the championship. 
So four points gets you to the crown. Yes. How many oh, is that was a long explanation for that, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it's good. How many, how many, how many qualifiers will you have for Alabama? We will probably um I'm thinking we're gonna have somewhere between 68, 78 qualifiers. That's really? dog too. So you know, so some guys can have you know, like Lyle Steinman will have probably two or three qualified, two or three dogs, and Luke Luke Cole will have two or three, so or more. I mean, both of those guys had six dogs qualified last year, so that'll be sixty-eight to seventy-eight dogs qualified, and then you know, some will be singular handlers, and some will have more than one. Aiken Aiken was talking about how for these field trials and hunt tests, like when the online registration takes place, like oh, how yeah. fast they're filling up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That, they, uh, the AKC has, a, has that, uh, I mean, I guess it's good for AKC. It's bad for a lot of guys trying to get in. <laughs> I hear a lot of mumbling about that a lot. Um, I don't, you know, we take, we'll take 80 dogs in our events. They take a lot more if those, um, you know, and those are kind of a pass fail type of event, you know, ours is more, our, our events, more competition, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like if you go to the HRC, if I, like if I go to HRC with my dog now, I'm trying to get a pass on her to earn her title. But an SRS is, you have to get those titles even when we play SRS. You have to know that game pretty well on all sides. You have to so know. explain that part to me. What do you, how do you play SRS? How do you get in? You have to have a title, or you should have a title, or don't come because you're you're gonna you're gonna struggle. So you have to have a dog that has earned a, you know, a master hunter title or a um, hunting retriever championship title, based on the organization you're in, because that dog is gonna have to run all types of tests. They're gonna have to run a field trial scenario. They're gonna have to run a hunt test scenario. They're gonna have to run a hunt savvy, which is like, you know, you're gonna have to either be in a layout blind or a boat or a rough stand. They're gonna have to feel like it's in a hunting environment and they be called that hunt savvy. So your dogs have to be so well-rounded in all the games and, and advanced in all those games to really compete in our game. And our game is a competition. So there you're competing against other, you're not competing against a standard. You're competing against other teams. So is there, it, before you accept an entry, can I just come in there and say, hey, Jack over here is awesome at the park. I want to run him in your event next week. And then I get there and I'm like, oh, gosh, Jack just got yeah, smoked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> does yeah, that happen or, or just, has, has that stopped happened. happening? It has happened. It has, doesn't happen too much anymore, but it has happened. And, you know, in our rules, it says, you know, you should have these titles. If you don't and you still think you can compete, you know, you can call uh, one of the board members or me and, and explain why you think you can compete because it has happened where somebody, you know, oh, my dog's the greatest, we're going to get them in here, and then they get smoked, and then they're like, man, I paid a lot of money to play, and, you know, it's like, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got to, we told you, you have to have a really good dog to, to participate in this, so. Does it happen like it does in youth sports where every mom and dad thinks their son's the next Alex Rodriguez or Ken Griffey Jr. And they just like, my dog can run with yellow and run with boomer and, and run with all the, the studs. I, you know, I think probably in, in our minds. Yes. I mean, I don't think anybody ever really says that out loud, but we all think our dog's the greatest dog. You know, we all think that we all think our dog is the greatest dog in the world. And it's because you love them no matter what they can do or can't do. You know what I mean? So I, I touched on this with Aiken too. Is there anything 
that bugs Shannon Nardi about a dog. Can a dog not be trained well enough to where you're like, put the dog back on the trailer, put the dog, get the dog out of the duck blind. I don't want to be around a squealing dog. I can't have a, or or do you ever get that? Like, or because you've been exposed to the best of the best. It's, it's like eating the finest Wagyu beef every night and then saying, Hey, you have to eat this coyote backstrap Shannon. Like you've been exposed to the best of the best of all time in the sporting dog world. Um, you've worked with, with the, the Nardis and the Akins and the Tackets and all of the top. There's so many great trainers out there. You have Lee Howard now and Brad Arrington and all of the, there's great trainers all over this country. Do you ever like, do you, are you critical of dogs now? And have you gotten kind of hoity toity about your, your choice and which dogs you hang out with? No, I don't. I mean, I can see, I can see where trainers might get like that because they, they know what a dog can do and supposed to do and all that. But you know, I'm, I mean, I like all of them. I like every dog. I, I don't know. I like every dog. I mean, I love, like I used to go to those, I used to go to that AKC, uh, you can do the national national or, uh, the, the national, what was it called? They still do it in Orlando. I went to that several years. Justin and I went to that and he would actually do some demos with Yella and for the sporting dog side of it. But it's a dog show. It was like a, you know, a foo-foo dog show, Westminster type of thing. Westminster. And that, you know, there's like, there's 1500 different dogs there. And it's the coolest thing to me because I just, I really do just enjoy seeing all the different dogs. You know what I mean? This is uh so I don't, you see I don't yeah, look at that. Say hi, Duff. Say hi to Shannon. <laughs> this is little Dove. Oh, hi. <laughs> I had a, to put my dog up because I knew she would probably bark at me while I was on this thing. He's been laying here almost snoring the whole time. He's just chilling. We ran this morning. But yeah, I was just wondering, is like if I don't you, I mean, yes, I can tell the difference between a, a good, you know, and I I'll tell you what, you know, like people, you know, people that I know that have a, a dog or a puppy, you know, I can and even me, I just have, I have a year old puppy. So, I mean, I'm, I'm dealing with all the puppy, the puppy stuff right now. So, you know, you want them, I know how they can be. And I want, like, I want my dog to be like that. I want them to be so mannered. And, and of course, you know, they're dogs. They're going to do, you never know what they're going to do. So are you a trainer? Like, I always say, I always say like on, in the competition, to me, it's like, it can be like any given Sunday, you know, that's, it's that any given Sunday, you have no idea what they're going to do on that day. You know yeah, what I mean? You, you think this dog is the best dog in the world and you're getting ready to watch him run and he can just blow up that day. <laughs> see a butterfly and go chasing a butterfly. Yeah. So, yeah. Are you training or like when, when Shannon already says she has a young puppy, do you train it yourself or do you pick one of these trainers? No, I, I did that one time, but I'm, and I, I have had three lab. I've had several Labradors, but I've had three Labradors, since I saw that great outdoor games. <laughs> so since I've known what they can do, the first one I trained, and you know, I have the best training group in the world here. I mean, I, I'm part of the Pin Oak HRC club um, that has the top, some of the top trainers here, amateur, you know, just top. Um, and so I trained with that group and I did that with my first dog. And, and then I got a, I, I had a, a litter of puppies accidentally so I kept one of those and I named her Whoopsie and I did send her off because I was so busy at the time. I just couldn't, <laughs> but there's a different bond you have training your own dog and not training your own dog. I mean, you always have a bond with your dog, but working one-on-one with your dog for me, it, there's a difference. So when I got Peach, who's my dog now, I, I said, I'm going to, I'm making the time to do that. 
because I, I just felt like it was, I had so much of a better bomb with Gia just because, you know, we knew each other. I mean, she, she knew exactly what I was thinking and, and I knew what she was thinking, you know, just because we worked together so much. And I want that with the dog I am now. So I am trying my best. I'm probably the, the fault of the party because I'm not a good trainer, but I'm trying. I read a lot. I watch a lot. Um, I hang out with the, the group and, um, and try to learn as much as I can. It's hard, man. It's a hard game. There's so much to it. So do you, what's your end game with your dog right now? Do you want him, do you want this dog to be an SRS champion? Are you yeah, trying to yeah, train to that level? Oh, I'd love to, I'd hope, I'd ho- only hope I could be at that level. I mean, I really, I would love to be able to run test dog. Okay. <laughs> That's the goal is maybe to run test dog, run Peach as a test dog at SRS one day. Um, but no, I really do want to take her through all the programs I like to get through. Um, I've got my started title, which is the very first title you can get. So my next title will be at HRC and I'll, I'll be going for the season title. Um, and then I'll try to get my hunting retriever champion and I might try to attempt the grand. Um, so I'm going to try to take her as far as I can, you know. Wow, it's that's fun. cool as it's heck. Fun. It's fun for me. You know? So it's, how many hours a day is this? Well, I probably spend, you know, a half hour every month. It's hard to train right now because it's so dang hot. Um, and I and I know she gets really, she gets hot fast. So I try to go really early in the morning between 6.30 and 7 and just run a drill, you know, at the at the soccer field or the uh, or at Pepper's Pond. I'll go to one of the two and try to do something. But I try to do that daily. If I can't get away, I just go in my front yard and just do simple drills. But I'm trying to always do something with her. Um, but yeah. Okay, so that brings us to our our mutual friend and partner, Yuka Nuba. Now, yeah. I want I want to preface this by saying that trainers, a lot of trainers like Aiken, they don't necessarily get all this food given to them they don't get just pallets and pallets of food throughout the year. Every dog trainer that you see feeding a Yukonuba diet. I want to say that because when people see a sponsored event like SRS, they're going to say, well, they're paying for people to feed the food. I got, I got to make sure that people understand that this food is being fed by Shannon Nardi and Chris Aiken and Brad Arrington and the top trainers in the world for a reason, because here's the deal. A dog trainer it's the same with me in TV. I have Benelli. I think Benelli's the greatest shotgun ever built for what I do in duck hunting and what our crew does. There is a lot of companies that have come after us and I won't, and I, and I'm not saying this in an arrogant way, Miss Shannon. So please don't take that, but I won't even, I won't even entertain the phone call or the meeting or because I don't want to have to sit there and say, I already know the answer. Right. So Aiken, Aikens, the guys that are feeding a a lot of dog food every day. Some of these, some of these kennels, Miss Shannon are 90, 140 dogs at a time. There is no way that a Chris Aiken would compromise the diet and the longevity and the life of a dog because he's going to get a little bit of money or free food from a Yukonuba. Let's make that clear, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's 100%. And so why do they feed it then? Well, it's the best, for one. I mean, I look, I, I, you know, I was sponsored by Yukonuba in the early days um, for a long, long time. And and that's kind of where I learned about the food then, and that's when I started feeding it. Um, and then... Uh, when Procter and Gamble sold that to Mars, there was kind of a, you know, kind of an empty space there. 
but I still fed it because it's like, it's good. <laughs> I mean, I look, you know, I've, I've had two dogs go from puppy to to senior and have passed. And I know what that food did for those dogs, like as a puppy, as a, a middle-aged dog, and as a senior dog, you know, number one, you know, the one thing I always know about that is, you know, their joints. My dogs had really good, were really good in their hips and all that as an old age. I mean, they both lived long lives, you know, and I never once had either one of their teeth clean. You know what I mean? Like that's a big deal to have that done. And, you know, most people have to have that done with any dog. I never had to have that done. I never did that with my first two dogs. Um, and, you know, their coat. I always think it makes their coat feel like mink. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It does. It's not, it's not, it's not just us saying this. It's the, the difference is night and day. Oh yeah. It truly I think, is. I think so. I can tell it. All the time on every dog? I can tell, well, I can, I can pretty much know it by feeling a coat. I'm thinking they, they must be Deacon Nina because this coat feels like mink. <laughs> but um, no, it's, it's definitely a, a high performance food and it's, it's, it's good. You know, and I've said, I've said the senior, I said senior food to my old dogs. Um, so I've always stuck with it. And there's another guy too that you, I don't I don't know that you know him, but um, he's, he's part of the youth group. And he was also a guy that, that started a long time ago with Uke and, and stuck, stuck with Uke even during that down period. And that says a lot because he's one of the top field trial trainers in the, in the country. And that's Al Arthur. Yeah. We um, talk about Al Arthur quite a bit on the podcast and Aiken talked about how, you know, he's, he's an OG from the Uke Anuba days. And there's a reason why, and he yeah. is, he's one of the most successful field trial trainers of all time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely up there. And his dad was, now there's two Arthurs, right? There was a yeah, senior. His dad is, is, um, God, I just went blank on his name. I want to say Joe. Is it Joe? I don't know. Hugh, Hugh Arthur. Um, yeah, he was a, a dog trainer and he still, I think he still trains with Al. Why, what makes Al special with, with the, with the field trials? Why, why is it his method? Is it his, is it a secret to his success at all? You know, I don't know. I mean, he's just always, he's just always been in the mix, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I don't, I, I'm not a, I have field trial. If you look at it, if you look at the hierarchy is looked at as one of the top, I mean, like a lot of the dogs that run SRS are what they call field trial washouts. meaning they just didn't have quite enough what it took to complete, complete in a field trial. Um, and a lot of guys will all get those dogs and compete them in SRS. Um, and doesn't mean they're not good because they are, but the field trials are really big, hard game. So the guys that, that, that train in that game are, um, you know, that are successful are, are pretty good dog trainers. So you would consider them all really good dog trainers. And Al's just one of those, you know, is Mike Nardi kind of the godfather of field trials or why is he considered the tops? Um, you know, I think he, I, I don't know. I don't really know that answer, um, but he is one of the top ones and he's done a lot of, he's done a lot of um, series, uh, DVD series and, you know, things that, you know, you can go learn through his techniques and stuff, but he definitely is a higher one. Danny Farmers is also one. I worked on his DVD. Um, so there's several uh, different, you know, there's a handful of guys that everybody knows their name and there's probably more that I'm not as familiar with. Um, cause I don't really follow too closely in the field trial world. So. And you, do you think that 
that the Yukonuba performance and the Yukonuba diet is suitable for all. If, if you weren't in such a, uh, this part of your life that's so wrapped around retrievers and high powered dogs, do you think that the normal pet owner yeah. is going to benefit off of Yukonuba? And my, my girlfriend just got a border collie like literally a month ago. And she called me up. She's like, what do I buy? I go, you go buy Yukonuba, probably, you know, medium breed or whatever. Look on the, look on the bag, but go feed that, feed that to your dog. Cause, the, cause they're going to benefit from it. You know, and can I you recommend give, that to everybody. And can you, can you give me like the, the time in your career that you started thinking this way, or was there a reason why you did? Was there something that made you go, Oh wow, this is, there's a big difference in this. Was there something that just like you, it went off in your mind? Like I, we, we were going to feed this to all of our dogs because when you put that name on your, when you, I've always fed it. I mean, I, and I, and before I got into this, this profession, you know, 20 years ago, I probably didn't feed it. I don't even know what I fed, but I didn't pay attention to how important that really is at that time. You know what I mean? Right. I was just feeding my pet at home. You know, I just didn't, we didn't, I didn't pay attention to that as much. I've learned a lot, you know, by going, you know, the, the things that you and I did last year with Yukonuba and learning about their food process. I got to do that, you know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago. So I've always understood why, you know, the dog's food is important and what it does for them. And, and how important that is, you know, I can, and I remember Justin saying this, I'll never forget this. He would always say, you know, cause he'd always, he'd always preach the, the preach with you and he's always been a, you guy. So I remember him talking to guys, you know, I was like, you know, Hey, look, you got to, you know, how much does your boat cost? How much does your motor cost? How much did you spend on your gun? How about your truck? You know, about that four wheeler you got and you're not buying the best for your dog. And this is your, your best hunting buddy right here. This is your best friend right here. And you can't fork out some money for him, you know, and it, I mean, it makes sense. You know, you, your dog is a prized possession. It's your best friend. You're going to want to give him the very, very best. Why wouldn't you? You know. Yeah. And it's like all of the instruction that duck hunters either teach themselves or learn from mentorship programs of, how to be a better shotgunner, how to blow a duck call better, how to be a better boat operator, how to be a better decoy setter upper and a duck deceiver, right? Like how do we trick these things to get them closer? We're enam- we're just enamored with them, right? We just, they eat us up and they control our every move as a duck hunter. And then it's almost like, well, you know, this dog's out there and he's high powered and he's doing all this stuff. And he's bringing these ducks back. And a lot of, a lot of us have taken that for granted in the past, you know, and oh, I think yeah. that that's what you, you can taught me that more than anything. Like what you, what you just said, Tackett would, would, would talk about is there should be no, it shouldn't come down to the cost of that bag of dog food at all. When it's for yeah. this, this high powered, oh. this, he's a conservation tool here. She's a conservation tool, but she's also our best friend and our companion and, ride in our front seats with the heater on right so <laughs> yes. do you get people that tell you like oh that's too expensive have you have you heard that yeah i heard that and i and i say the exact same thing i say the exact same thing to them like okay so how much and i do i'm like how much does your boat cost you you know i mean because you think about all the stuff you spend on waterfowl i mean it's an expensive sport it's expensive all the dog training and all that's an expensive sport and and your one thing your living thing <laughs> your your bff right here you got to take care of them you've got to take care of them and they deserve that there should there should be no question about that at all 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with that 100%. And I think that, that that's part of the education process on why is there such sticker shock when you see it? I, mean, I don't want to sit here and make it sound like it's so expensive because no, it's no, not. No. It's, let's no. put it this way. If you have a dog and you feed him or her 40 pounds a month, I don't know how much you're going to feed, but you're looking at a $600 price tag for the year. Yeah. If that. So yeah. if you take that into consideration with the performance and the longevity, the energy, everything that that dog's going to benefit out of this new, you know, this nutritional and this diet plan from you, Canuba, yeah. it doesn't make sense not to do it. It just yeah. truly doesn't. It's just the, the results we've gotten are, are, are truly all, like they're night and day. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I agree with that. I'm a, I'm 100% behind you on all that. Um, yeah, I think that it's, I think that it's one of those things to where people just have to look at it like, yeah, you're right. Like we do spend a lot of money. I mean, we spend more on biscuits and gravy and freaking Casey's pizzas <laughs> yeah. than we do on our dog. There's an, <laughs> there's a problem with that. <laughs> exactly. No, you're right. It's that, that's very true. It's a problem with that. Yeah. I just, I think that that whole, the whole, you could do the culture is like, that's what people are starting to get out of is like, Hey, we, we might pay for it, but here's the results that we're going to get. And we're seeing them. I mean, we run our dogs and what's that? No, I, I think it adds longevity to your dog too. You know, I mean, if it's, if it's good on their joints and it helps with their joints and, and their teeth and all those things, you're going to get some extra years out of that, you know, and it yeah, goes I by fast, you know, I mean, I, I know, you know, I, I know it, that, that time goes by fast. Oh, it's amazing how fast it goes. We were talking about that the other day, how fast our lives are going by. And I know. And, and you look at a dog and, and like Duff's already two years old. And I'm about to get Brad's coming out here and bring an Axel and he's going to be, he's already three and a half. And it seems like just yesterday we got him. Hey, and it just, puppy, yeah. it yeah. just flies by. And I think that there's like, when you have a, a an opportunity to have a hunting dog, you got to pump the brakes and slow down and enjoy the whole experience and the story yeah. and the process because we're so all about those results of like, man, we want him to get high power. We want him to retrieve. We want him to do this. Well, then we are like, man, he's not a puppy anymore. Oh gosh. He's already through his adolescence and it just, <laughs> it flies by and people have to, that's why you're so lucky. And, and people like us that we get to document this. I mean, we have so much oh, yeah. footage. I love yeah. going back and watching those old, I don't know if people still know what DVDs are. Um, and, and thankfully we're not talking about VHS tapes, which <laughs> some of our conversations do, but DVDs, I won't go back and watch those water dog episodes all the time of Yella. I, I I did that. I just did that probably a couple months ago, and I don't know why. I stumbled across it on YouTube, and I my favorite. I think my favorite of all of all of the water dog shows I did. My very favorite is our when we went to Maine. And that was the first year, and we hunted sea ducks. I remember that. And it was uh, it, th that was the coolest thing to me. You know, just you know, it, just the whole experience of the whole thing was cool to me. So it was a. Uh, but I was, that was on and I found it and I sat there and watched the whole thing. <laughs> really? Yeah, I did. I love putting them on and watching them. Tackett was kind of a, I remember one episode y'all were up at, was it Firewater? Yeah. Yeah. Was that we the name of his lodge in there. South Dakota? Yeah, we went there several times a year or once a year. And he year. was an owner in that, wasn't he? Yes. I remember one episode where he shot, was shooting a spoon bill. He was literally laying on the side of a yeah. pond with You're yellow telling? laying by his, yes. and he had that over under shotgun that he got famous for carrying, but he's just laying there, no blind, nothing. He's just sitting there talking to yellow and having a conversation with himself and a duck would fly by and he would shoot at it and yellow would go get it and bring it back. And then they'd, it was just like really relaxed kind of deal about this man and his dog. Yes. Well, and I always wanted to do, I always made sure we did one of that, one of those once a year, 
because that's how we started. You know, our very first show was in South Dakota. It was just him and Yella, and he told the story about his old dog and getting yellow and, 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 and there, you know, where they were getting ready to go. So she was just a puppy. I mean, she was, she was probably a year old, maybe a year and a half. Um, and yeah, I remember him just talking to her on the stand, you know, he just talked to her and there was a bunch, I remember there was a bunch of cows back there just watching us, <laughs> watching the hunt. And he, I remember him like talking to her about the cows, you know, they're not very smart and, you know, and just having a conversation with her. And I remember thinking that was so, it was so great because, because you do do that. Most people don't show that kind of thing, but you do talk to your dog when it's just the two of you. Do you not? All of us do. (laughs) So I love the fact that he would have a conversation with her just as if it was, you know, a person. And, and I made sure that we try to do one of those every year. I try to have a show where it's like, okay, we got to do a show where no guests. It's just going to be you and y'all. Because I think that there, a lot of good things came out of those. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, it's one of the ones I remember the most out of every episode that I ever watched. It's it's one that I was just kind of like, he's really just yeah, sitting there talking. Because that spoon bill, I remember that because he was said she doesn't she doesn't care that it's not a Drake or a you know canvas back. She didn't she didn't care. It's a duck to her, you know. Hundred percent. Just they don't care what it is. They want to retrieve. They just want to get it. Yeah. That would be funny though if like a dog got so particular that she, that he or she'd be like, "I'm not picking up that diver or that spoonbill. If you're not shooting mallards, just don't wake me up." Exactly. That's funny. There's yeah. duck hunters that are like that. I think I've become kind of like that. And that's kind of why. That's kind of why he said that because he knew that he knew that there's people that would look down on the spoonie, you know, and, and that he made a point that that's, that's not whatever she wants, you know, it was about her too. And if you think about it, I don't know about you, if you've always hunted with a dog you have since I've known you. Um, but I can't imagine even going if I didn't have a dog, have a dog, because that's the whole, that's the whole fun to me. And, and to watch all that is what's fun to me. And I think that most guys that do hunt with dogs, that's what they talk about. They talk about that part of it all the time. You know, it's just like, you know, you guys always remember all the baseball scores and the basketball scores and football scores and your hunts. You remember every hunt and what happened on it. But when you get around a bunch of guys that, that a bunch of trainers or a bunch of hunters that have dogs, when they talk about stats and all the stuff on their hunts, it's always about what, what the dog did. Always. And that's what was so special about what Tacky would do, because I, when we get on location, you know, after all the logistics are handled, which was your job, you were in charge of that part of it, even though I'm sure JT helped some, but you know, we have cameras set up, we have the hide, we have the guests, we have the, the interviews and the in-between flocks and a couple tips and tactics. And so I, I have a very difficult time handling a dog when I'm filming a hunt. So I'm so blessed that we get to bring Brad Arrington or Andrew from Wild Acre or somebody on or have a handler there or, you know, somebody that has his or her own dog because I, it's so hard. You got to give that dog attention. Not that they needed a hundred percent of your time, but to, to handle a dog, right. It's a full-time job during a hunt and you want to get the most out of that dog during that. So what Tackett did is he was, you know, he was talking to the camera. He was talking to the ducks with his duck call. He was shooting, but he was also handling the dog. Um, 
And, and I think that there's a different levels of complexity on different hunts that he was on that it probably got difficult for him sometimes too. But handling a dog, you have to be on your A game during hunt. And I'm not saying that dogs are difficult, but when you have six shooters and the guns go off in flooded oh, yeah. timber and you have 18 or, you know, eight or nine ducks fall and one's crippled going behind this stump over here, that, that handler's got to be on his A game. So yeah. when you're oh, trying yeah. to talk to a camera and, and, hi, and, and do everything, it's, you gotta, you gotta have, you have to be able to say, okay, today I'm not handling the dog. Brad is, and Brad does a great job doing it. And that means that we're not going to miss a retrieve. Right. Right. You know, that's, that's interesting. I never, I didn't never, I've never thought about it that way. Um, uh, yeah, you know, and I don't know if that's the dog or what yellow was. So, I mean, yellow was, you know, she had like three different personalities. She had her, hang around personality and she was always obsessed with something she's always dropping a rock in front of you or something to throw always 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 a matter of fact who i remember keith allison just recently said that they posted a picture of something on instagram and i remember keith allison saying to me i remember that because i remember y'all bringing me a trash can out of the hotel to throw when they were doing those cabela things remember the cabela's things they were doing yeah the water dog the team water dog deal yeah um, they would go to Cabela's and it was Keith Allison and Chris and Justin. And, oh, they uh, had the big embroidery of yellow yeah, on the back of their yeah, shirts yeah. and everything. And they did those things. And Keith talked about yellow bringing him a trash can in the hotel room <laughs> to throw because <laughs> she was so obsessed. But uh, but anyway, she had that mode and she had a hunt test mode. Like she knew she was getting ready to, to train or run a hunt test. And then she had her hunting mode and she was 100% you know, like you couldn't bother her. You couldn't get in front of her. You couldn't talk to her. She was like, get out of my way. I'm watching for birds. You know what I mean? She was just a hundred percent focused on what she had to do. And she knew that it was weird to me that she totally knew her job and that was it. So Tackett didn't really have to do anything. <laughs> she she was That's just crazy. doing her thing. You know what I mean? Um, but it was cool to watch her. Like I remember one of the shows we did in at Firewater, um, and we went with his clients. There were several clients and it was probably, I don't know, six or eight of them lined up in layout blinds. We were in a cornfield and Justin and Steve Millman were guiding that hunt and they had um, Yella and I can picture his dog, but I can't remember the dog's name. But anyway, and they, it was just, there was tons of birds, tons, tons, tons. And those two dogs just worked their fanny off, you know, just in and out, in and out. And, um, so, and that was a really cool, that was one of the cool shows too. I remember enjoying that. Yeah. I remember the water dog things at Cabela's too. I did, uh, we, cause we would have the, the water dog going on the duck and then we would, and then we would have the duck calling contest and then we would have the Avery panel. Remember we did those Q and A's oh, yeah, with, yeah. that we put together a panel and we'd have, um, those were good. Some, I wish they'd still do those kind of things. Those it's so cool. sad to me to see kind of, I remember how, awesome it used to be to go to all those shows in the parking lot events yeah. and the duck calling yeah. contest and just the camaraderie and the energy and the the networking that you got done there and i know a lot of things change with the internet and the way people shop now and it just seems like yeah. a lot yeah. of that energy is 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 it's so easy to get content now to where most people be like oh we got to go down there this week we're gonna get to meet fred zinc or justin tackett yeah. or get to see yeah. yella and now it's like man we can just go online and watch yella do this and and do that <laughs> and it's it's uh i don't know it's it people I think are missing out today. And I, I think Mac still has some successful events and there's a few of the retailers do Rogers does final flight. But for the most part, man, I remember we would travel every week into a, a Bass Pro or a Cabela's or a sportsman's warehouse or a Max or a Simmons. There was events all the time. Yeah, those are fun too. I, I enjoy that. I agree. I, I miss those. I miss doing that. I miss being kind of 
you know, just seeing people, you know, yeah, now we see them on Instagram. <laughs> especially with COVID. It's like, if it wasn't, oh, yeah, for, no, if no, it no. wasn't for zoom, we'd have like the last 120 days of no meetings. That's funny. We're, um, we're, we are filming in California. I mean, I literally haven't left my house. I, I, I will go to the G, the uh, private trainer, one-on-one instruction, a couple, like a couple times a week. Once we got to that phase three to where they could do that legally again. And I would yeah. go it, with my daughter to see her mom once in a while and, and, and transfer back and forth. I went to California for the first time. Um, and going there is like heck anyway, whenever, even when COVID's not in, but with COVID, yeah. we are going to go to our favorite steakhouse. Okay, we are going to go eat at this place called Fifth Street Steakhouse, and we are going to take a couple guys there the night before last. Outdoor seating only, which it's 98 degrees with humidity in this valley of rice down here in California, and you have to have your mask on the entire dinner. You, If you're taking a bite, you can take it down, but they don't even want you coercing or talking to your waiter or waitress without the mask on. Yeah, so like, sitting outside in the 98 degree heat with a mask on, it's crazy yeah. to me. Think about what our country is doing. If you go and do that, you're like, you must really be hard up for a steak to go in and, and have a meal well, like that. that. I think we're just hard up to be, do something. I mean, I, I've been in my room too. I mean, I've, I've gone places. I go to the store and I go to my brothers and see my mom and, and I go up to the river. I've gone to the river several times and just hung out there. But, you know, I, I miss just going out with my girlfriend and having a drink. We all just, it's crazy. It shows you that we take a lot for granted. Yeah, it does. And I keep, I, man, I hope they figure this out quick because I'm, I I want it to be, I want it to be fixed. I miss being around people. I do too. I miss you. We, we had some fun when we were in Indiana together and. Yeah, we did. That was a good time. No, it wasn't Indiana. We were, we were in Ohio together and then Kentucky. That was super fun. Uh, I enjoyed that. We had a blast. So I'm hoping I can get you down to the crown this year. And um, if we have it, I guess we're going to, we're planning on it. Get you to come down and do some stuff with Lee. And Is Lee Howard a good dog trainer? Yes. Yes. Good handler? Yeah, I think so. Do you like Brad Arrington? I, you know, Brad doesn't run him as much anymore. Yeah, I do like Brad. I, I don't see him as much anymore. I you see that he, like Lee's the guy. Who's your favorite trainer you've ever met besides Justin Tackett? Can you say that or are you going to piss some people off? No, I can't. Yeah, I can't say that. I do have, I do have a favorite up and comer right now though. (laughs) And just because when I first met him, I was like, who's that kid? Like, who's that running that dog? You know, because he looked like a young kid and you know, he was, he was 19, I think. And this was three, four years ago. And it was at Pepper's Pond and and they were like, oh, he's, he works for Roadie. He's running some of Roadie's dogs. I was like, oh, okay. And, um, and like, he is hot right now. He's 24 years old. His name's Luke Core, And he is, he is the one to beat right now in my mind. Him and Steven. I mean, like, Steven won the crown this year. But Luke is, Luke is so young and so he's, I don't know, there's just something about him that's fun to watch because he gets super, super excited. You know, at the line when he does well, you get super excited. He's won Team of the Year twice, um, which is that's you can do the Team of the Year um, with his dog Indy, and uh, he's got back to backs on that. He's leading it right now with a dog named Bang. So he's like he's I, I just like him because he's fun to watch. He's young, you know. It's fun to see some young people coming into the event. Um, 
which brings me to another thing that I did want to tell you about. I don't know if you know we're doing this or not, but we started in our second year, we started a college event. Oh, cool. Um, and, and we've added, we kind of opened it up to high school and opened it up to where we can have, other, you know, kids run other people's dogs. Cause we're fine. We're having a hard time finding dogs at that, at the level we want that a kid owns, you know what I mean? Um, so we're trying to build the youth. We're trying to build the youth and dogs, uh, you know, in all, in all, in all um, venues, you know, we want to get youth involved. So I think if we kind of start this, uh, it'll start helping, you know, kids get involved with the sport and maybe want to go get their own dog and learn to train it and, and start running it in some in the hunt tests and stuff. So that's Which a very, that's turn, a cool internal lead to, you know, waterfowl hunters and stuff, a new, a new group of those, you know. So which co- campuses are you concentrating on? Is it more? Well, we, um, we did it the first year, which was last year. And it was kind of a whim. We just got, I got on Facebook and we literally started, um, I started um, messaging DU chapters at these colleges. That's what I was just going to say. That'd be a smart way to do it. Um, and, uh, and got a hold of, and I got a hold of a few kids there that did have dogs. And one really, his name is Hunter Lamar. He really helped me start finding people because he was he played the game and he had a good dog and and um and he trains with steve endurance so he he helped me start finding kids and we ended up with only seven we did two man teams which was an idea we had this first year which we've already changed because it was hard so you had two man teams and we had kids from i don't know we had seven teams 14 kids six of which were girls which i was really impressed with and I had South Dakota, North Dakota as a team. It was a brother and sister team. I had Texas A&M. I had Clemson, UGA, uh, Arkansas, uh, Louisiana, Mississippi. I mean, we had kids from kind of all over the place, which was crazy, you know. And so we had that we had that event here in Little Rock, and um, it reminded me of the first great outdoor games because it 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 was the kid and their dog, you know what I mean? It was it was that level again where you had that person and their dog. Um, so it was real intimate. Um, they had a blast. And um, so this year we kind of, because it was so hard for them to find teammates, we opened it up to be just single, single teams, but they are coached. So you have a coach on, you know, you have a coach and that coach is coaching you at the line. You know what I mean? So you're not running that dog. You're getting coached as you're running that dog, um, which is a different, you know, a whole different concept. Um, so we had we had that, and this year we had about fourteen kids again, um, which I was surprised we even had that with COVID. And then we kind of had a meeting with all the kids, and and they have decided that they to grow it. They think that we should open it up and let other kids run dogs that are you know able to run. You know what I'm saying? Like, so for instance, like you know, if Lee had a dog, and there was a kid that wanted to run it, they could run that dog, basically, and he could coach them type of thing. You know what I mean? And and we feel like if we do that, it'll open, it'll open those eyes up to these kids that like, Hey man, this is super fun. You know, I want to do this sport and you know, maybe they'll get a puppy and start training it and, and get to that level themselves. Or, you know, it's just a good way to get the kids and they're not like kids or young adults gets them involved with, with the sport of dogs and waterfowl and the whole, the whole thing. Well, yeah, I mean, it's how you get the next generation of trainers yeah. going. I mean, this kid, you just mentioned that when he was 19 and you saw him and, 
And then he's running one of Rody's dogs, you said, and then he's 24 now and he's the one to beat. I mean, 24, like that's right when you're getting out of college pretty much. So these kids that are in college have that to look at like, look, I mean, this kid's already, he's the one to beat, right? He's won team of the year twice. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. He's, he's a super sharp kid. Um, there's not enough said about like when you say that there's, they're being coached at the line, like a good dog handler is like, I don't want people to think like, Oh, you just go up there and it's all the talents in the dog. Uh, oh, obviously the dog's high power. They've got a lot of talent. There's a lot of training in that dog, but these handlers are on a different level too. There is a difference. Oh, yeah. There's, there's different levels of handlers too. And to work up to those top, to be a top handler, that's saying a lot of, uh, oh, yeah. there's just, there's just little things, you know, just little tiny things of when to stop a dog, get downwind of a bird, you know, little there things. So, there are so many there are so many, um, what's the word I want? Variables. Variables, good word. So yeah. many. Just like hunting. You know, you got to know which way the wind's going. And, you know, every dog's different. And, you know, how to, you know, that, that guy, that trainer's going to know how that dog's going to react or how he's going to. I mean, because all the dogs are different. They're, they're their own personality. All of them are. I think that's the other thing that really attracted me when I first started it. You know, you see a Labrador retriever and it's like, oh, it's a Labrador retriever. Well, when you're around, like you said, when I'm around all these dogs for a length of time, they they are, they become a person to me. Like I, I will say, hey, well, go ask Stroker's dad to come here. I mean, I, I refer to the dog opposed to the handler. You know what I mean? I call, it, I call it by the dog as the team and go get your, go get your dad. <laughs> but you know, there's these dogs like Stroker is like an, another one of my dogs that sticks out and dude and, and Stroker's a dude puppy. But, you know, dude was kind of the next boomer, really. Um, and he just passed away last year. But he's got several. Uh, he had like 15 grand passes. He's got uh, two crown championship wins. Wow. Who yeah, owned he, him? Um, Stephen Dirt. Well, a guy named, oh, I forgot his name, Mark, somebody I forgot. I think I can't remember. I'm sorry. But Stephen ran that dog. He's the one that trained that dog. And um, so there's several puppies from that, from that dog too, that I'm seeing run now, you know, like the winner of this year's crown was Georgia and she's a dude daughter. So, you know, that, that line of dogs, you're seeing them, but they're, they're really, um, they're large. <laughs> I mean, they're just like, like Stroker just reminds me of this NFL player getting off the truck. You know I mean? He's just, He's just muscular and built and just huge. And you're just like, he's just gorgeous. You know what I mean? So I, I, I you have all these different dogs and they all have their personalities and it, it's kind of cool. I'm very fortunate. I have, I have one of the greatest jobs in the world. That's right why I asked you if you've become very hoity-toity and critical of most of other dogs that aren't on dude's level. The dude, you know, they must have you know, named him yeah, after. Uh, I mean, I love the rescue dog. I mean, I'm like, I, I got a heart for the, I mean, look. I've, those I've are high powered performing dogs though too. Rescue dogs and drug dogs. I mean, those are badass dogs. I'm talking about Jack over here who's squealing at the end of the duck blind. You still have patience and be like, oh, it's okay, Jack. Just stay down there and squeal. Yeah, but then I get a kid. I get, here's the deal. I, and I'm glad you brought that up. So I'll give you for instance. So <laughs> Larry McMurray is one of the amateur trainers and he's play. he's been playing this game and all in the HRC game since I've been around, he was one, he was at the very first great outdoor games, judged several of those and judges. Now he's on my board. He has a dog now named grits, who is a, I guess she's a dude daughter. She's I think three, 
and she whines and it drives him crazy, but she whines at the line. You know, she just gets so excited and she's always, you know, just waiting for birds to come out and all that. It drives him crazy. <laughs> and especially when he, you know, runs tests. And I was working on the shows. He was in the top six this year. So when I was working on the shows last month, my dog is like at my feet sleeping. But every time I work on Larry <laughs> on that piece of video, Grits would be, you know, whining. And my dog would get up and climb up in my lap and try to see what's going on. <laughs> and be like, no, just get down, you know. But I think it's funny. I like to see, I know it's not good. And most trainers and most guys would not like to see a dog that's not very reserved at the line and you know focused and but I like seeing them get overly excited because it's it just you know what I mean like I love when I see them you know doing their feet and they're just getting so excited about it or or if they have some you know verbal excitement <laughs> but I think that's fun you know but I'm also thinking about the viewer the viewer's gonna fall in love with that you know what I mean no way I try to think about that I would um, I I'd be like, like, now they don't lose points for squilling at the line yeah, they can't. Not really. I mean, they don't. None of them are that bad. I mean, none of them are that bad. Um, they're not going to lose points. They're going to lose points if they're not steady. You know, if they move up or get in front of the, the gun barrel or something like that. Yeah, they're going to get some. They're going to get dinged. But um, most of the time, they're they're you know pretty reserved. So you, like you, so you so you like you like the idea of a dog that doesn't do that, but it's cute when it happens, as long as it's, you don't have to listen to it all day in the duck blind. <laughs> Cause you yeah. can hit stop yeah. on that edit system or just mute the audio. I'm sure it drives people crazy in the duck blind. I'm sure it does. Shannon Nardi hot seat. You're on the deck at the river at your dad's place. Your dad, rest in peace. What a pioneer and a trailblazer and what he meant to outdoor television and from bass fishing to hunting to sports, outdoor games, everything that he did and, and pretty much gave you your way and taught you a lot of where you're at in life. Yep. We could do an entire series of podcasts on that man. Yep. You're at his lake house. There's a cooler on the back porch. You're getting ready to sit down and watch the sun go down over the river. You reach into that cooler pool. What beer out of the ice? What do you hope that beer is when you get it out of the top of that cooler and it's it's revealed when it comes out of the ice? <laughs> is this a trick question? No, it's a hot seat. Go. Well, it probably wouldn't be a beer. It would be um, some kind of, you know, some kind of big drink that I decided to make that day. <laughs> you can't say that, Shannon. That's the hot seat. It's in a cooler. You pull it out of the ice. You're not going to pull a margarita mixed at your favorite okay, Mexican I'll, restaurant. Okay, I'll tell you, the last one I pulled out of the cooler was. It All right. Been, uh, the Bud Light Lime. All right, you're on a walk and you got your headphones on and you're power walking. You're, you're, uh, you're doing one of your daily workouts. What song is playing on your headphones? Um, oh, God. That's hard because I have listened to too much music. Uh, probably Coldplay right now. Right now at this point in your life, you get to go to dinner tomorrow in Little Rock, Arkansas, a steakhouse called McMurray's down there. You want, you get to invite one person. Who's at the top of your list right now to talk to besides Donald Trump? Go. Uh, like anybody? Yes. If I Alive. Could talk to anybody? Alive. What? As I said, I'd say dad, but... Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> God. Wow. I'm going to have to work on hot seat with Shannon. <laughs> I know I'm terrible. I'm sorry. I don't know. Cause there's too many people and I can't single out. One. You can't single out one person. So it, I mean, you can't pick one person. All right, fine. 
can't. I'm going to come up with one more hot seat question to okay, try to so get you. If I had to pick one, yeah, my grandson, if he could be here, I would take him. You would take your grandson. Look at you getting all sentimental. <laughs> <laughs> what is the scarf around your neck? This is my super, super series buff. Can I, can you send me some of those? Yep. So when I go in the store, I can just put that up. Can you send me some of those, please? Yeah. I need some SRS merch and some, uh, some stuff to wear, you know? I can send you a pack. I can send you a swag bag. Promise? Yeah. Can you also include some Southern food in there? Some of your Southern cooking? And yeah, I actually am kind of good at that. I know. (laughs) That's why I said include it. Do you have any closing words for our Yukonuba duck dog audience? Do you have anything to say to, I don't know, let them remember you by? Do you want to sing a song? Do you want to hum a song? Do you want to whistle? Do you want to quote a movie line from Arkansas movie, an Arkansas-based movie? An Arkansas-based movie. What's the best country song ever written about Arkansas? Um... I don't know. Hmm. I'd say I'd say Glenn Campbell would probably be a good Arkansas. Um, the lineman song. Yeah, huh? the line. Lineman's good. What about Colin Ray, Little Rock? Yeah. What about Reba, Little Rock? Yeah. <laughs> Here's one for you to look up. The artist's name is Hayes Carl. Who's that? Hey, he is a red dirt guy. He is an amazing singer songwriter out of Arkansas, Texas. I don't know if he's from Arkansas. H-A-Y-E-S. Last name is C-A-R-L-L. Carl. Carl. And he has a song called Little Rock. Really? I'll have to look that up. Listen to that. But he's got so many good albums. I'll send send you a couple of them. Here's another artist for you to look up. Brent. Cobb, C-O-B-B, B-R-E-N-T, C-O-B-B, Brent Cobb. Okay. And Adam Hood, H-O-O-D. Those are my preferences today. I got so many like Leith Lofton and Drake and bunch of so many good ones. And you do, you have a bunch of, you have a bunch of artist friends. Some. You do. Painters. Shannon, you've said you've said it all today. I I I I stumped you on the hot seat. I want you to practice that. I want this to be back and forth, like boom, boom, boom. Next time I ask you what beer, what song, <laughs> what's on your scarf, <laughs> Shannon, you're awesome. You're an inspiration. Hot, was that a hot seat question? Huh? <laughs> was this a hot seat question? No, not really. But I appreciate everything you've done for Sporting Dog and for hunting. You helped me get my start. If it wasn't for those trips, I'm telling you. Wouldn't have been a call from Mike Devine. Wouldn't have been a foul life. I'd still be pumping toilets. I'd still be pumping toilets. I would be doing the toilets at the SRS events. Let me call Hey, I need three porta potties, Chad. I need, no, I would upsell you to like, how many people do you have? And you would say <laughs> 90. And I'd say you need two toilets for every 10 people because it's hot. They're going to be drinking a lot of water. Oh, yeah. Exactly, you would. Totally. And, then as, and then as soon as I seen Tackett or somebody trying to urinate outside on a tree, I would call the health department and turn you in. And then they would say, you need more toilets out here. And then I would upsell you again. <laughs> you totally would do that. <laughs> That's Shannon Nardi, Dancing Dog Production, Super Retriever Series, Team Yukonuba. She has done so much for the sporting dog community since 2000. The ESPN Great Outdoor Games all the way through the the 
when she started SRS and Super Retriever Series and what it's done. You've heard it from Chris Aiken. You've heard it from a lot of our guests here. And now almost every top trainer in the country has made it a goal to get a dog in the SRS. So think about it. Check them out. Super Retriever Series. They're all over Instagram at Super Retriever Series. You can check them out online at SuperRetrieverSeries.com. Get Jack signed up. Go in there and, you know, get humbled a little bit and then get your dog trained the way that dogs are supposed to be trained, in my humble opinion. There's a, there's a difference when your dog has been trained the right way. I really mean that. And also, look into that You Can Nuba Diet nutritional program. It's made a ton of difference in all of our dogs across the country from all of our dogs like Axel and Mo up to Slash. Peach. Who? And Peach. Peach and your dog Peach. Shannon, do you have any closing words before I cut you off and let you go get your margarita at what? What's the name of the restaurant? The Fold. The Fold. Hey, The Fold, if you're listening to this, get ready because Nardi's headed your way. Get two pitchers ready. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Let's do it again. I want to come on your podcast too. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll go in your hot seat. Okay, I have some. I have a hot seat too. Okay, when COVID's over, we're going to go to a concert or something together and two-step swing dance, and I'll listen to you do karaoke. (laughs) Sounds good, bud. This episode of the Foul Life Podcast Duck Dog Series Fueled by Yukonuba was brought to you again by our friends at Yukonuba Performance Brand Dog Food. Check them out. They're all over online. You can see them all over every social media platform on Instagram at Yukonuba Sporting Dog. We're so proud and humbled to be part of their family and their goal of getting your dogs healthy and living their greatest life. Thank you, Yukonuba. Thank you, Shannon Artie. Tom, hit that button. This is 2AM Logic. The song is called My Foul Life. Talk to y'all soon.